Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Seed Me Audiobook Podcast. Now, the last episode, episode 10, we had a very tragic event happen. And uh, if you haven't listened to the other episodes, I definitely recommend listening to them because this is a major event. Those that have been following know that after episode 10, Skip is dead. Skip died. Vicky showed up when uh, Logan and Skip were out, out in the river valley and they were getting a little high. Uh, Skip was trying to help Logan feel better because things got weird in chapter nine where Janet and Logan saw that whole ritual site and Skip's like, you just gotta get level-headed. But then Vicky shows up and Skip being all hot-headed decided to confront her despite Logan's advice and she transformed into a giant man-eating flower and consumed him. He cried for his life, and he was gone. And uh, Logan tried to help his friend, but the voices were too much, and they froze his body as the vines crawled out of his mouth and locked him in place. The harvesters showed up again, and they said soon Logan would be like Vicky. And that is where he left off with Logan. From chapter 10. Where's this going to go? No one knows except for in chapter 11. So let's get to it. Chapter 11 Rock and Roll. Muffled, incomprehensible voices echoed all around me. My vision was pitch black, but I could feel a cold chill throughout my whole body as a gentle breeze brushed against my face. The inaudible voices were accompanied by the clear sound of footsteps and the crinkling of dry leaves. All of the noise gradually began to become distinct until a man's deep voice erupted. He's still conscious. I found the strength that opened my eyelids a tiny crack. Eyes open, he added. At that, my eyelids flung open and rested on the man with a short buzz cut and blue first response uniform staring directly down at me. He held a small flashlight. The light was on and pointed directly at me. To his right was a lady with dark pants and a jacket with a red stripe. She was wearing a police officer's hat. Shaking my head, I went to sit up but the first response medic placed his hand on my back and another on my shoulder. Easy, he said. Sir, do you know your name? Yeah, I replied, while rubbing the back of my head. The headache was gone, but I felt a bump on the back of my skull. What's your name? He asked again. Logan, Logan Cook, I said while looking around. There was a male officer with a notepad, talking to a lady wearing a knitted coat and black pants, holding a leash to her golden retriever. Logan... We're going to take you to the hospital just to check up on you. No, no, I'm fine, I said, looking back at the paramedic. Do you know what you're doing here? Skip, I thought, feeling my heart sink. My eyes widened and I quickly yanked free from the man, standing upright. Skip was completely swallowed by Vicky, I thought. The vision of the black and red petals engulfing Skip and the sounds of crunching bones followed by his muffled screams ran through my mind. I spun around several times, trying to see if Vicky was anywhere in sight, or Skip, 
for that matter. It was unlikely given what I'd seen, but I was still in shock and rational thinking was nowhere to be found. My sudden movement caught the attention of both officers and they eyed me with cold stare while glancing around at the scenery. I was in the same place as where I'd passed out, with the dead tree stuck in the ground. Quickly, I turned to where Vicky had consumed Skip. She was gone. Where did the harvesters take her? I thought. Logan, do you remember what happened before you passed out? The paramedic asked. I turned to face him. That is a bit of a loaded question, I thought. I was just out for a walk, I said. It wasn't a lie, and it wasn't the full truth. I ran my hand along the sides of my face and my fingers connected with scabs that were now running along my cheeks to the back of my head. The vines. Hence why the paramedic wanted to take me to the hospital. It wasn't going to be easy to get out of this situation, let alone explain it to the police officers that were taking notes. I ran into a dog, I said, looking at the paramedic. His eyes moved back and forth, like he was trying to read my physical state more than listening to my words. It attacked me, but I uh, fended it off, I, I think. I added, while rubbing my hand alongside one of the puncture marks on my face. The story wasn't exactly detailed, and the paramedic's face remained just as blank as it had been before. It was tough to tell if he bought the story, or if the cops did, for that matter. The two officers had written down a lot of notes, which made me feel a bit uncomfortable, but there wasn't much I could do to make them stop. A part of me wanted to tell them about Skip, but there wasn't anything I could say that sounded rational. He was swallowed and crushed by a girl that transformed into a man-eating flower, I thought to myself. They'd buy that, wouldn't they? Lying to them about the situation left a sickening feeling in my stomach as the memory of Skip being consumed replayed over and over in my mind. Lying felt as if I was just pushing his death aside like it never happened. Eventually, I stopped trying to argue with the paramedic and went to the hospital for them to inspect some of the thorn punctures I had. They took me to the emergency entrance at the University of Alberta Hospital. I was brought in relatively quickly to see the doctors. They put me in a private emergency room divided by turquoise curtains that allowed you to hear every conversation happening in the adjacent rooms between the other patients and doctors. The doc who came to see me identified himself as Dr. Turner. He was an older gentleman with a naturally sitting frown and combed over hair covering his bald spot. His face remained emotionless while he reviewed my cuts. Well, it is bizarre formation, but I can't see it being anything other than an animal attack. No recognition of what kind? I shook my head. A dog? Dr. Turner nodded. We'll have to give you some stitches, but overall you're going to be fine. I swallowed heavily and nodded. Didn't notice anything else? I asked. You'd think the doctor would tell that there's plant growing inside me. I never got to check to see if Janet got back to me about her doctor visit, I thought. Quite frankly, at that point in time, Janet was not a major importance to me. I could not get the haunting sound of Skip's dying screams out of my head. Dr. Turner shook his head. Nope, anything else I should know about? The sides of my head began to pulsate and I felt a rumbling in my ear. 
nothing, came a whisper. I glanced behind me and scratched my ear. Should I tell him? I thought. I ran the potential scenario through my mind, trying to imagine how I could explain it to him. I've been feeling sick inside my body, or I've got these vines that come out of my mouth and voices in my head, I thought. One was too vague and the other was too direct. If I got the doctor to agree to investigate further, then perhaps he could use the x-ray scan or something to see what exactly was growing inside me. I've been feeling sick inside, weak, I said, pointing to my chest. The doctor raised his eyebrow. Is this new since the bites? I shook my head. No, I've had it for a couple of days. Mr. Cook, have you considered the possibility you've caught a cold? I couldn't help but smirk at the comment, realizing that the doctor wasn't going to buy what I had to say. No, it's, it's not. This is different. I ran through my head what I could possibly say to get him to listen. It's... it might be a tapeworm. Yeah, that's something growing inside of a person, I thought. Dr. Turner stared at me for several moments. What are your symptoms? He asked in a monotone voice. I scratched my chin. How exactly do you explain the symptoms? I wake up sweating lately, fatigued. The doctor shook his head. Those aren't your common symptoms for tapeworm infections. Nausea? Loss of appetite? I pointed at my chest. There's something inside me. I know this. Can't you just check with a scan or something? Mr. Cook. There is nothing abnormal about you other than your need stitches, which is perfectly normal. This isn't going anywhere, I thought. I'd recommend talking to your personal doctor if you need further advice. Something else I don't have, I thought. I nodded, seeing that this wasn't going to lead to any more in-depth exams. Dr. Derner put down his pad of paper. Let's take care of those stitches. You. Hey, you around? 10.49 a.m. Janet. In class at the moment. 10.55 a.m. You. Long story, when is it done? You. We seriously have to figure this out. 10.56 a.m. Janet. Okay, meet me at the Hub Mall at noon. 11.04 a.m. My face was slightly swollen and sore from the stitches. Dr. Turner kept me in the emergency room at the University of Alberta Hospital for most of the night, at least until I got the stitches. Then he sent me home. The stitches were quite noticeable, which made me a real stellar looking guy. Looking like the victim of a rabid dog attack would upset most people. But I had much larger worries at hand. I was unable to sleep. My thoughts were fixated on Skip and Vicky. It was she who took my best friend from me and I wanted revenge. First, Emily, my safety, now him. It made this whole freak show much more personal. I should have been feeling more emotional about it, but I couldn't quite grasp that he was gone. Maybe I was in shock. Reality hadn't quite sunk in yet, despite the hollowness in my chest. Before I knew it, dawn had arrived and that's when I texted Janet before hiking over to the University of Alberta campus where Hub Mall was located. 
It was a central mall under an atrium where students could grab convenience items and fast food, with the top floors devoted to living quarters. The long, narrow halls were tall, and the apartments overlooked the shops below, complete with colorful, personally decorated windows. The halls were split, with seating running down the middle, dividing it in two flows of traffic. I took a seat at an empty booth and fidgeted with my phone, waiting for Janet to show up. Not having told anyone the actual truth about what happened to Skip was eating me up and I wasn't the type of person that liked holding in a weighed secret, especially one that hit the heart. In the distance, at the other end of the hall, I spotted Janice's blonde dreadlocked hair. I waved her over and she came and sat on the chair next to mine. Her previous exhausted frown shifted to a look of concern when she saw the stitches around my cheeks. Oh God, what happened to you? She asked, leaning over for a hug. I let out a deep breath before speaking, feeling the heaviness of the words I was about to say. Our situation just got a lot more complicated. What do you mean? She ran her hand along the stitches, inspecting their significance. I glanced at her, making sure that no one was standing nearby before leaning into Janet's ear. Skip and I ran into Vicky again. She got him. Janet leaned back. I don't follow. Is Skip okay? I scratched my head and looked to the ground. She killed him, I said quickly. A hefty weight fell on my chest, multiplying with each word I spoke. It had the opposite effect from what I had hoped. Saying the words out loud made me realize it was reality, removing the potential of Skip's death just being a vivid dream. Janet's mouth dropped open and she whispered, Are you sure? Tears began to form in her eyes. I nodded. I know for a fact she's not human. Donald Waite was right. There is something seriously messed up going on here. This isn't the type of information we should be sharing in such a public space just in case there's some eavesdroppers. Janet glanced around while wiping a tear from her cheek. Sure. The two of us exited the mall and headed to a more secluded part of the campus, settling down in a small park between a couple of buildings. There, I relayed the information to Janet about Skip and I meeting Vicky in the river valley, her projecting head and transforming into a massive man-eating flower and the vines grabbing Skip in an inescapable embrace before the petals crushed him like a Venus flytrap. Next, I told her about the cause of my stitches, from the vines that prevented me from talking to the chilling words from the harvester. Your time will come and we will harvest your remnants. Soon, you'll be as Vicky is today. Janet took a moment to process all of the information and kept her hand pressed against her lips in slight disbelief. But she nodded. After what she and I had experienced, this story wasn't as far-fetched as it would otherwise seem. Oh God, she repeated. Yep, but saying this out loud has helped me rationalize the situation. I have a theory. Janet placed her hands in her pockets and looked over at me. When I first looked into Emily's death and the other drain cases, there were two types of murders, which led the investigators to initially believe there were two separate killers. 
One was what Emily experienced with the blood being drained into holes all over her body. I pointed at my stitches. The holes were quite smaller than these ones. Now, the second type, like her friend who was also found on the scene, Dwayne, or with Vicky, have had their bodies mutilated and their heads missing. Janice squinted. She didn't quite put the pieces together yet as I had. The version of Vicky that Skip and I met in the river valley still had her head, but the rest of her body was not hers. It made up the same black vines as the ones that came out of us entangled when we kissed. Whatever she is now could have been growing inside of her until it shredded out of her body, the body that Donald Waite found. It took a moment for Janet to process the theory. She shook her head. That's a lot more of a foundation than I could have thought of. She brushed her hair aside and exhaled slowly. So you're saying those things inside us are going to make us like Vicky? Possibly, yeah. Janet shook her head again. This is like a horror flick or something. So what do we do? I seriously cannot sleep anymore. I'm fatigued. And these voices in my head are starting to be more frequent. What are they? Janet grabbed my hand and her lips trembled. I'm really scared, Logan. I curled my fingers around hers, not really sure what else to say at this point because I didn't have an answer. There's got to be a way to get it out. Did the doctor say anything to you? Did, did you try drinking vinegar? Janet shook her head. No, they didn't. They said I might just have a cold. They couldn't find abnormal activities in my breathing or anything. I nodded. Similar answer to what I got when I got these stitches. Afterwards, I had a bit of an anxiety attack. Chugged about half a cup of vinegar before... Janet pressed her lips tightly together. I squinted while shaking my head. Before what? The voices came back. They were angry. I think it's the vines talking to us. What did they say? I couldn't make it out this time. It was mostly screeching. One clear phrase I could hear was, foolish flesh pod. But I felt my symptoms seized up after, kind of like what you were describing. I felt faint and dropped the jug of vinegar while collapsing onto the floor. My roommate found me soaked in vinegar in the kitchen. The voices were gone, but I had a terrible stomach ache. I nodded, probably from chugging all that vinegar. Obviously, these things can stop us from harming them, too. Called me a flesh pod, Logan. I know. I really didn't know what to say. That really just backs up your theory about it incubating in us. Janice squeezed her hands tightly. What do we do? Should we go back to that enclosed area in the river valley? Maybe we can find something there? That or the blue house. Who knows what's going on in there? or if those harvester guys are around. Janet nodded. All right, when do you think we should go? Sooner than later. I'd like to call Jake and Seb and explain what's up. They need to know what happened to Skip. Think they will believe you? Not sure, but I owe it to them. Plus, we at least need to let someone know where we're going in case something happens to us. The words caused Janet to tense up. You're right. I'd like to figure this out now. Quite frankly, it feels like our time is running short. Weirder shit keeps happening every day. Agreed. 
What about today? I'll skip class. At this point, I might not even be around much longer to take them anyway. Okay, I'll shoot them a text and let them know we all need to get together. In the meantime, if we're going to investigate this place, we need to get some defenses. You. Hey guys, we need to get together ASAP. 2.13pm. Seb. Can't it wait until next week? 2.32pm. You. No, this is serious. 2.35pm. Seb. I'm free after work. Where did you want to meet? 2.39pm. Jake. Yeah, I'm off today. What's up? 2.41pm. You. My place. After work, Seb? 2.43pm. Seb. Sure, see you then. 2.45pm. Jake. K. 2.45pm. Janet and I returned to my place before Jake and Seb were due to show up. The two of us went through some of the supplies I had. My switchblade knife, a spare that I gave to Janet, and a couple of flashlights. We didn't really know what to prepare for other than the possibility of running into the harvesters or Vicky. We sat on the couch in the living room while we waited for the guys to show up. I showed Janet a few basic techniques that my dad had taught me when we went hunting. How to flip her blade open and holding it. It wasn't like I was a self-defense expert or anything, but at least it gave her some insight into how to hold a weapon. She didn't seem overly comfortable with having a knife, even after our tutoring session. The gal seemed more like a lover than a fighter. Jake and Seb arrived shortly after four. I let them into the apartment, giving each guest a beer and grabbing one for myself. The news they were about to hear wasn't pleasant and they'd need something to wash it down with. Then again, I knew a beer wouldn't quite do the job for me. I'm not sure if any amount of liquor could have. After handing the three of them the beer, I sat back down on the couch and rubbed my hands together. Taking a deep breath, I eyed Jake, who took a gulp of his beer while standing by the kitchen. So what's this about, Logan? Seb asked, one hand on his hip. The fuck happened to your face? Janet looked to the ground as her lip trembled. Skip is dead, I said, clenching my teeth. Bullshit, Jake quickly replied. You two pulling a prank? Seb asked. I shook my head. Wish I was. Janet looked up at my bandmates. There's been some seriously messed up shit going on around here. Seb glanced over at Jake before folding his arms. Jake shrugged. Elaborate. This was when I realized that Seb and Jake knew absolutely nothing about what had been happening. From the first sighting with Vicky, the seeds, the vines, the harvesters, their ritual, and the information that Donald Waite had shared, they knew nothing. They knew about my obsession with the drain cases when Emily died, but would have no clue how Vicky's case and the harvesters were related. And how could they? Okay. I rubbed my extended hands together. It took me a moment to decide on the best way to tell them, but at this point, there was no easy way to ease someone into this scenario. I started from the beginning, from when I first met Vicky at the back of the Empress Ale House, up to and including Skip's death at the River Valley.
I left out some of the details, such as the voices Janet and I kept hearing in our heads. That would probably be a little too much. However, I did share with them my theory on what the seeds were and what they did to Janet and I, and potentially did to Vicky and the other drain victims. Jake remained wide-eyed during the whole explanation. He allowed himself to be drawn into the storyline, while Seb kept his arms folded, frowning in disbelief. Basically, that led us to where we are now, Janet added after I finished the story. She licked her lips and said, I didn't believe it either until Logan and I had the vine slither out of our mouths. Seb took a sip from the beer and shook his head. I really don't know. This is a serious crackhead story. He pointed at Janet. Is this chick getting you back into that shit, Logan? I shook my head. No, I swear. This stuff came from me on its own. I tapped the table a couple of times. It's all related to the drain cases. It's linked to Emily. Jake scratched his head before finishing the last gulp of his beer. Seb, I'm not too sure if Logan would be lying to us, man. Seb shook his head. You do recall how obsessed he became with those drain cases when Emily died, right? He turned to look at me. You never did recover from that, Logan. He was right. Not solving Emily's death left me haunted, even to this day. It wasn't the reason for the crazy stuff that was happening now, though. If anything, it was an extra motivator for me to save my own skin from the thing that was growing inside me. I'll give you that. I nodded at Seb. But I'm telling you this isn't some prank. Skip isn't with us anymore. Jake squinted. Why didn't you just go to the cops about it? I couldn't help but smirk at the comment. It seemed like common sense to me. You hear what Seb said? I don't exactly have the best relationship with them. Plus, Seb isn't buying the story, so how in the world would the cops? If I told them he was dead, they'd maybe file a missing person report or bring me in for more questioning and I'd be dragged into a whole other problem. That's the last thing I needed. Jake nodded. Good point. So what's your plan? Janet pointed out the window. We're going to go back to the site of the ritual in the river valley and check out the house on our way. We need answers. I pointed at my chest. We really don't know how much time we have left. These things inside us are getting more aggressive. And if I'm right, Janet and I are going to end up like Vicky and Dwayne. This is crazy, Seb said, looking back at Jake. Jake shrugged back at him. I don't know, man. Where's Skip then? Maybe it's not a prank about his death, but this whole story isn't how it happened to Skip. And these two aren't telling us the truth. Seb pointed at Janet. My theory? The three of them were probably getting into some heavy substances. Skip has always been on and off them. They lost track of him and he'll show up once he gets off his high. I shook my head. I swear, man, we're not. Jake stepped close to me and Janet. I'm in. Even if what you've said isn't accurate, we've got to find Skip. Seb rolled his eyes. Christ, I'll shoot him a text and he'll reply. I got up from my seat. Go ahead. It isn't going to go anywhere. His phone was in his pocket at the time. No one is making you join us, Seb. 
Just know that the three of us are going to investigate the old blue house a couple blocks from the farmer's market, and that enclosure we found in the river valley. If we aren't back by the end of the day, call the cops. Seb raised his arms. Why don't we just call them now? There's nothing to go on, Janet said. Seb rolled his eyes. So breaking into a house will have the cops take your side? Think about it. I shook my head. We've got nothing on these guys and are doing our best to play it smart. We'll keep our cell phones too. Seb eyed the three of us. His eyebrows slanted with confusion as he bit his lip, shaking his head. He clearly didn't get why we were doing what we were doing. To him, didn't have any rationality behind it. Seb pointed to Jake. Don't take any of their crack. He glanced back at Janet and I, then then marched to the apartment's front door. I've got to get back home to the wife. I'll call Skip tonight instead of wasting my time with this shit. He slammed the door on his way out. And that is the end of episode 11. Looks like Jake is on their side. Things are getting real. Janet and Logan aren't going to take any more bullshit and they're going to figure this out. Wait until episode 12 to see what happens next. Share with your friends and uh, I'll catch you next episode. Ciao.